0: Welcome to another edition of the Week then Update. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? Good. Good to be here again. It was a fun week of Grizzlies basketball. A very interesting week of Grizzlies basketball. A lot to unpack and a lot to preview for another interesting week coming up. The Grizzlies are 4-2. and two. That's tied for 5th in the Western Conference. That's tied for 6th overall. In the NBA, their offensive rating is at a 118, which is first in the NBA. Their defensive rating is at a 119.9, which is 28th in the NBA, and their net rating is minus 1.9, which is 21st in the NBA. Of note, since we last spoke, we went up 18 spots in our offensive rating uh, by a metric of 8.6, and then we went up 8 spots in net rating Um And the other thing I wanted to note is even with a 41-point loss against Dallas, our point differential is officially in the positive. We are somehow uh, positive .9. As always, we're going to start with the news, get you updated. John, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, so on Wednesday of this week, uh, October 26th, the team announced uh, very sadly that Zaire Williams was going to miss four to six weeks with patellar tendonitis in his right knee. And so what had been knee soreness for a couple weeks uh, became basically, they decided it was tendinitis. They decided to just go ahead and put them on the shelf. Uh, and they, the timeline is four to six weeks. I know I've heard some reporting, you know, that maybe even that's an you know an overcompensation that could be a little less. But but one of the interesting things is so four weeks from now, uh, four weeks from then would be November twenty third, so right before Thanksgiving, um, and we have that uh, what's a very exciting Pelicans home game the day after Thanksgiving on the twenty fifth. Um, six weeks, which is the high. Um, estimation uh, would be about November, uh, December 7th, which is, uh, thunder at home that night. And I think, I think that's a good thing to talk about the four to, the actual four to six weeks, because I think people love to just be like, I mean, I, and I even did it on our podcast the other night when we were like four to six weeks and I was like, well, man, I hope he's back for Christmas. And you could see that if he's not back by Christmas, that is a much longer, uh, estimated timeline than what they've estimated out so hopefully he's back by December would be the hope
0: yeah and I think the interesting thing here is the overlap between he and Jaron's injury and the probability of Jaron actually returning prior to Zaire I have a prediction on the table we'll see if it comes true comes true that Jaron will be back dis- or excuse me November 9th at the San Antonio Spurs, which is coming up in like 10 days from when we're recording now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, hopefully that prediction comes comes true. I but love that. But I think the other part of it, and by the way, you can listen to our full reactions on our, our last podcast that we released uh, a few days ago because we, we talked about that with actually Brantley and Ty on the live podcast there. And so we'll briefly hit on it like we're doing right now. But the other element here is that... Uh, Zaire is uh, at an important position with the Grizzlies, and I think it's really interesting that the Grizzlies just so happened to draft uh, wings that are about his size and can do some of the similar things that Zaire can do and that we have been performing at a level without Zaire Mm -hmm. that you would think we would um, have similar success with him. And so that's the one notable thing is despite these injuries, the Grizzlies are still finding success yes and so we'll be we'll be noting that and hopefully it's sooner rather than later but like you said Kraft, this is a type of injury that you you want to be cautious on and you want to yeah. stay conservative especially with a guy as young as Zaire williams well a couple days later uh adrian Wojnarowski, this is more of a league-wide news item but it definitely pertains to the grizzlies he tweeted out that the nba is pursuing the implementation of an upper spending limit That would replace the luxury tax as it currently stands. The NBA has a soft salary cap, which means they set the salary cap at a certain level, but then they have a luxury tax line um, that is higher than the salary cap level. And the, the room in between those two numbers are the exceptions and the different um, devices that teams can use to sign their own free agents and things like that. So there's this room in between. And even then, teams are allowed to go past the luxury tax line. However, they do get penalized. And whatever revenue comes in from that those teams pay in as a luxury tax gets redistributed across the league to all teams that didn't pay in the luxury tax. And in the last few years... We've seen extreme examples of this happening with the Golden State Warriors, with the L.A. Clippers, with the Brooklyn Nets. Those are kind of the top three right now, uh, which they are going way above what the, I would say, quote unquote, spirit of the law has been with the luxury tax because they can just pay it. And they're trying to um, retain championship contenders or build championship contenders for the Clippers and Nets. Um, This is a big deal. And this could completely change the landscape of how team building happens. Um, It has really interesting ramifications for a team like the Grizzlies. And just to provide a bit of context on when this could happen or the probability uh, of it happening, the CBA is actually set to expire after next season, so the 23-24 season. However, both sides, the NBA and the NBA Players Association, have the ability to opt out, and they have to give notice that they'll be opting out, and the notice deadline is December 15th of this year. So if they give notice that they're wanting to opt out of the current CBA, it means that it would expire earlier and that the two sides would have to do reach an agreement Prior to the twenty three twenty four season starting to prevent a lockout, um, John, what you, what did you think about so, this news? Yeah, so yeah, so the released? first
1: the, the first one, which um, I think is just sad and not as interesting, but just like to note that the players' union most likely will be against this. Um, they will not want to have any sort of hard cap, uh, even if it's way, if, even if it's like above the luxury tax line. Um, and so my concern would be that the players union will that, that this could that if the owners draw a hard line with uh, with not with having kind of a hard cap, even though it's past the salary cap and past the luxury tax line, that the players would potentially there could potentially be a work stoppage. So that that is a distressing thing. So but I, and I just hope that won't happen. So let's put that to a side. Uh, but it's a very interesting thing because for me the Grizzlies there's two there's two big things for me the Grizzlies one is that obviously the Grizzlies are never going to be. Uh, I do think para is going to be willing to go into luxury tax if we have a, a, a definite contender. But we're never going to be able to be like what the Warriors are, are looking to pay next year, which is just crazy. We would never be able to afford that. I mean, basically a luxury tax bill bigger than what the Grizzlies were worth when Para bought them. So I don't see something like that happening. Um, and I do like the fact that we're a very smart team. And so if there is sort of a cap, I think – are, we have a great front office that thinks that way, and so that would be exciting to me. The one downside, or the one thing that I am concerned about with this, is while I I do I don't like that the Clippers and the Warriors can just go out and pay a bunch of players and all those sorts of things. I also though do want to reward teams that draft well, and that's one. So that's one concern I really have is that the Grizzlies have drafted super well and and part of me is concerned that we might just have to give up some really good draft picks uh, that we have because we've already hit that cap and maybe that would be better for the league in general but that's but those are kind of the you know sort of random thoughts out there that one i think any kind of limits are good for us because the fr- because one we're a small market team and two I think our front office is smart and thinks long term well but I also don't want to see smart teams getting penalized by not being able to retain the players that they've drafted um, or traded when their you know quality was low
0: yeah so. and I think um, one thing that will be telling about this is how the Clippers and Nets end up faring both this year and next because. They are two of the teams deep into this luxury tax. And if you look at where they're standing right now, a few games into the season, right. they're not having success. Obviously the Golden State Warriors are the exception, but when you look back at their history, you can see that they drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Jerry Monkey and they drafted Clay Thompson. So in a way, right. they have been building the core that they drafted. And so it feels less yes. uh, icky. Yeah. if you will. Well
1: and and I and I think and we'll and this maybe this could be a good segue to the to to uh, one of our future topics. But I do think that the way the main thing that I'm upset with with the Warriors is was their ability to get Kevin Durant, right? Because the cap exploded that one year, and and other than that, you know, which allowed them to eventually get Wiggins. Uh, but uh, but I actually you know I I I feel like I have less issue with the Warriors and I think a lot of teams complaining about the Warriors I'm kind of like well draft people better right uh, but I understand the Clippers and the and the, and the Nets um, and especially just Clippers feel like they can just buy all these free agents and it gets kind of annoying
0: yeah and I think the overreaction I don't my point is I don't want the NBA to overcorrect right. to a few years that are I think going to prove to be outliers and especially. Right. Maybe this is a negotiating tool right now to mm-hmm. say, let's anchor the discussion way you know down here so that right. we can find a resolution in between. And I think yeah. the resolution could be to maybe just increase what the luxury tax penalties are. Our, and yeah. so you keep the soft cap, you keep the rewards for the teams that are smart, but at the same time, and, and the other element that I read about here is the NBA will have to find a way to replace all of this extra revenue that they distribute among the teams that don't pay the right. tax. And so how are they going to replace it? Right. Um, Cause it's a lot if you look at the bills yes. that are due this year, but
1: yeah, it'll be super interesting. You want to move into our, our yeah. cap smoothing. I yeah. Know. Yeah. So yeah. Why don't we go and say this? So one of the other things they're thinking of doing that is cap smoothing Uh, once the TV rights are renewed after the 24-25 season. And so, I mean, one of the interesting things, if you look at the the way the Grizzlies have been doing it, and I think other smart teams, you'll find that I think the Grizzlies are uh, navigating the fact that, oh, there might be a ton of cap space coming in 25. And I even think they're navigating it so that if there's a huge increase, they would be ready to pounce on a Kevin Durant-type free agent. So this is where I get into our front office is smart. In some ways... I don't like if they change it because I think our front office is kind of thinking ahead in these ways. Uh, but obviously, but as a fan of the game, I, I really think that uh, that the the game was in a great place. And the Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, I think, really hurt the league for two or three years. It didn't hurt the ratings in the NBA finals, but I think it really hurts regular season and early playoff ratings. And, and it made the, you know, and we're seeing the parity we see in the league right now it makes the interest so much greater. And so I hope – and this is another one that I think the players are going to f- be frustrated with, but I do hope – this is one that I would like to see done. I would like to see the smoothing um, done. And, uh, you know, the only the the only silver lining if they don't smooth it is that I think the, the Grizzlies will be in an excellent place to take advantage of that. But I'd much rather see a smoothing so we don't have like a Kevin Durant going to the Warriors situation again. couldn't
0: agree more on the 2016 summer when KD went to the Warriors. I was um, – I knew, I mean, as soon as it happened, I still remember where I was because I was like, well, the league is going to have or the Grizzlies are going to have to press pause for a couple of years. And that made the uh, Chandler Parsons signing a little bit more uh, palatable. It was also I mean, that was the one that really was the kicker mm-hmm. for Grizzlies fans in the summer of 16. That was the downside of the cap not smoothing for for Memphis. But there's arguments to be made that that forced the team into a tank mode, yes. uh, which ended up benefiting us now. Uh, so, a couple other priorities. Uh, the uh, league wants to find mechanisms mechanisms to incentivize the top players to participate in more regular season games. That one is tough. Like, I don't know what you're going to have to do uh, to get these players. I know they have the midseason tournament, which they're really mm-hmm. trying to tout as maybe an option there to give some sort of uh, reward for that. Midseason tournament I, th- I could see the only thing um maybe motivating uh players for that is something uh monetary as a reward mm-hmm. but at the same time i think a lot of the smart teams are still going to operate as they've been operating and prioritize the playoffs and then what was the last one john that they oh had yeah
1: on? and then uh and yeah and definitely want to talk about that oh, one yeah. more for another sure time, we'll come back yeah some some other time um We have less stuff to cover, but, uh, the other, the final one was allowing high schoolers to enter the NBA draft and that one gets talked about all the time. Um, you know, and then also require that all medical info is available to all teams Um, You know that one I'm mixed on that one as well. Um, That's another one where I actually you know because of how our front office is drafted like I think allowing high schoolers in the NBA draft puts us at an extreme benefit because I think that means a lot of bad teams drafting uh, guys on upside and then the Grizzlies who are going to be good for the next few years drafting I think really good players uh, and maybe having some really good players drop to us uh, in later first rounds late and later in the first round. Uh, but, uh, you know, but as an NBA fan, this is another one. This might be, you know, a controversial opinion. Again, these are the kind of things maybe, you know, uh, you know, off season or when it's less busy, we can really get into some fun discussions on, but, but I actually think, uh, the letting, making, uh, players, uh, wait a while to come to the NBA draft is better for marketing and better for teams, uh, in some ways. And so I think while, you know while uh, in like kind of fairness terms letting somebody who can play in the NBA or who who a team would draft get drafted but i do think that like you look at something like Zion playing a year at duke um you know Ja Morant playing two years and blowing up kind of a little bit in the second year how much that helps marketing the NBA um and and even just even this year with all the you know all the all of uh, Victor's games gonna be streamed on on NBA League pass things like that I just think there's a it, it allows people to, to get marketed more um, when when people know you know the players
0: yeah there also have been millions of dollars invested into overtime elite and G League Ignite, which are two programs that basically act as a college replacement for the one year that players are required to get Mm -hmm. under their belt or, you know, until they turn 19 and are eligible. And I think it's interesting. I I think one positive would be that um, part of this high schooler... uh, entry into the league would also be that the agents are required to send medical info to all teams instead of picking the ones that they send yes. the information to. So that's the element that I think could uh, very well Yeah, And as through. a small
1: market team, I really would like that. 100%.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting. We'll definitely be monitoring, but that was a huge update uh, over the last week. John, should we get into some games? We had yeah. the Brooklyn win, we had the Sacramento win, and we had the Utah loss last night you want to start with uh brooklyn yeah.
1: so the the brooklyn uh brooklyn game uh we ended up uh in a very high scoring affair uh we defeated the nets 134 124 <laughs> in regulation uh so a lot of points to score in regulation i uh, hope you hammered the over and uh although actually i think the over the over also actually, hit in sacramento So two it, for two yeah two for two um so all that said uh this this was special to me because this was my first uh Time in the forum to see a live game this season. I didn't get to go to any preseason games or the home opener. So I was very excited to be there. Um, And the biggest thing that I, you know, that just stuck out to me, it was just an opportunity to see what I think. And and it's interesting that we can say this now. I think probably four, uh, maybe four of the top five or six offensive players in the league right now. Um, that I think you know nobody would argue that with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and their history as just being unbelievable scores um, unbelievable offensive talents but I actually think that both John ja Morant and Desmond Bain and we've known that a little bit about job ja, and especially adding three point shooting um, that I think John ja Morant and Desmond Bain probably are two of the top 10 probably offensive players in the league right now which is pretty incredible to say. And, uh, and just getting to see all of them um, at kind of all of them peak of powers. Um, you know, Kyrie, I think, uh, typical Kyrie, I think, took some very inefficient shots t- towards the fourth quarter. I also think he walked a lot and didn't get called for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was just a super entertaining game. Uh, kind of went back and forth and uh, just really enjoyed Uh, Seeing it, and we also got you know, uh, got a got a interesting Dylan game where super inefficient from the field, but but really bothered. Got got a got a technical. KD got a technical. Had a lot of words. So all those things. It was it was just a really fun game. Really high level uh you know ba- regular season basketball game and i feel like it's one of those games that at the end of the year we'll look back and remember
0: yeah uh, i think right now it's the game of the year so far it does, doesn't have a lot of competition but i think it'd be interesting for us to maybe track you know what we believe to be kind of the the quote unquote game of the year and that's that's on the the top of the podium right now I think that um, I was watching very intently uh, for one of my preseason predictions, which was that Bain would uh, hit 40 in the first 10 games of the season. I mean, 38, he was sitting right there. He had a wide-open three there at yes. the end that barely missed. And I, I was a little <laughs> disappointed, but at the same time, you know, I understood. I mean, can we round up, guys? Can we can we be yes. honest here? Does 38 really not make it, you know, it's uh, so close I to 40?
1: I almost texted you like three times, didn't want to jinx you, but Brantley did that for you. So. He did.
0: He did. Um, thanks a lot, Brantley, if you're listening. Um, so Bain did have his breakout performance. We It was so funny because if you follow us on social media, which I encourage you to do, we posted a clip from our weekend update that was basically us both voicing concern mm-hmm for where Bane was. I think the point of the clip was really his health. And right. I think that I'm still going to be watching Bane because back injuries have this funny way of reappearing when you least expect right. them to. And so I'm not saying that Bane is 100% healthy. I'm not ready to to completely dive in and say he's back to normal. However, the proof is in the pudding Bane in the last three games has gone over 30. It's yeah. been his um, highest scoring three game span of his career so far. And uh, I actually wanted to share one stat because I, I do feel like despite everything else that went on in the game, to me, the story was Bane, yeah. And I was I was doing some research on, on his performance so far this season in comparison to the last few years. His assist percentage is twenty two point six percent, which means what percentage of his uh, of of teammates' uh, baskets when he passes them does he assist on, and it does count counts as an assist. He's ninety second percentile in the league. His first two years were ten point five percent and thirteen point six percent, and so I just want to say like he is not only taking a, a step up in terms of scoring, but he's looking for teammates yes. and he's getting them in positions uh, to score. He's also sixth in the league in points per possession when he is the pick-and-roll ball handler. Pick-and-roll right. has been the one area where I've noticed, especially with Brandon Clark, where both – I mean, he, the scouting report is out on Bain. You can't give him any openings. So if he has the ball in his hands, he gets a pick-and-roll, goes around, and any drop coverage, he's going to pull up. So yep. you're seeing two guys blitz, and hes he has the pre- presence of mind, and he has his head up to look for the roller – and if it's Brandon Clark, you know, you're going to have a pretty con- good conversion yep. rate on if Brandon is by the basket and has a little bit of an opening, which I think speaks to that assist percentage being so mm-hmm. far up. But I'm so, so just surprised in the best way to see yep. his distribution also take a step up with his scoring.
1: Yeah. So and and like I think what's great is you see fir- you know, his first year getting some minutes. The shot is amazing. Uh, you know, people making fun of how hard he dribbles to summer league uh, starting to, you know, run, pick and roll more. And, and obviously, last, you know, summer league two years ago than last year, that great improvement he made um, handling the ball a little bit more taking to the basket, not just a three point shooter to this year now being taking that playmaking step. And and again, you know, and, and we'll get to the Jazz game. You know, you saw him definitely turn the ball over, uh, get it stolen a couple times, uh, makes, make a couple bad passes there late. But that is, this is the development you want to see over the long term because that, you know, the errors he made yesterday, and we'll talk about the Jazz game in a second here, uh, you know, that's the development we're seeing, though. And that and shows you, one, he still has even more room to improve because that assist percentage can go up with the turnover percentage begin to go down. But, uh, but it's very exciting just to see both his development... Um, And then you know, kind of our front office coaching culture of like we develop we develop players, the ones that are awesome like Bain, the ones that you know might don't have that kind of talent uh, like Conchar, but we're developing players and adding things to their games each season they're with us. It's super exciting.
0: Yeah. One clarification: assist percentage uh, is the percentage of teammates made shots that the player assisted on. I feel like I butchered that a little bit because it's kind of an interesting stat. Yeah. Um, But the other thing I wanted to mention is Chris Harrington wrote an article after the game and he was also on uh, Calkins Radio Show, which he's on every every day, every weekday, and he had charted the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Grizzlies team arcs since 2019 because 2019 was the year that we drafted Ja. It was his mm-hmm. rookie year. 2019 was the year that the Nets signed both KD and Kyrie, where, you know... They were going all in for win now. It was championship or bust. The Grizzlies, theoretically, were going for a rebuild. And yet, if you look across those three seasons, the Grizzlies have a higher win total. Right. They've had more success. Um, Nets no. and Grizzlies both, uh, and as far as playoff advancement, have both made it right. to the second round. So you're seeing almost exact same success and yet two yes. different timelines, we thought,
1: we thought, at the time. Yeah, and and by the way, they haven't beaten us in that time either. We've Correct. beaten them in every head-to-head. So, Correct.
0: Yeah. And the, the John Morant 33-footer to uh, ice the game was just, yes. I mean, uh, a beautiful sight. And then now Jaws trick to basically, you know, take the ball up the floor without touching it, have his teammate right. roll it. It's become, I'm scared it's going to become mainstream. It's been Josh Trick that we've gotten to enjoy Mm -hmm. for a few seasons now. And um, it's become, it's pretty much going viral with the whole Ben Simmons foul out situation. So I'm kind of bummed about that because I felt like that was Josh Trick and more people are going to start doing it. But it's just another way that the Grizzlies are just smarter.
1: Right. Yeah. So that one, um, I, I say that would be a play of the year. The uh, the the jaw recall from three years ago getting fouled out and you can see that if you look on Twitter and I think Harrington and then several others have written good stuff on that but then uh, and then also the um, in 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 jaw making highlight plays when when players throw them not the greatest slob passes uh, Tyus throwing a pass that wasn't the greatest jaw catching it with his left hand and somehow uh, still dunking it um, that was that's that's early leader for one of my favorite highlights of the year too.
0: Let's move on to the Sacramento game. Uh, Notably did not have John It's the second time this year when a player has been listed as questionable and they've been inactive. So that's one another data point (laughs) to note that we we can't just assume questionable means active anymore. Um, And I basically, the note I have down the headline is this was just a professional win. Uh, I was going into the game not very optimistic because we always drop one early in Sacramento and we won Every single quarter by three to four points. And the Kings tried to run. I mean, that was an up and down game. And notably, to me, I mentioned them a few minutes ago, but Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark Mm -hmm. were the two that shined. Because in the bench minutes, when we had... We were teetering a little bit. You could feel the momentum. You could feel the crowd actually getting into it in Sacramento, really hoping for their first win of the season. And yet Bain and BC's hustle um, won out in those yeah. bench minutes. That was the main thing that
1: I saw. Yeah, and then and and the kind of the secondary note, which we would find out, is that, that Jaw seemed a little less than you know, I was trying to figure out if Jaw knew Bain had it and knew they kind of had this team like this was kind of definitely that like we know we're going to win this game uh, and, and but then you started to see some shots of the sidelines and started to hear on Twitter some rumors of Jaw not feeling well and leaving the bench a couple times to go to locker room um, and so that also in a sense you know I don't know if it was the jaw flu game the jaw pre flu game <laughs> who knows what it is. Uh, but, but it was the first sort of kind of, uh, very human jaw, you know, normal performance by him, but it was still, but it was interesting cause he did, he came out very strong, scored most of his points in the first quarter, uh, really attacking the basket and then just kind of laid back for the rest of the game. Um, but it's funny here, my notes, I also have professional wins. So we were on the same page there and they had basically what I would say is this felt like the first. Normal Grizzlies game of the season, kind of last year when we went through, we were just winning seemingly every game um, going on these long streaks where we just would go in and we just would be slightly better than a team in every department and then just win by double digits. And that's kind of what it felt like, the Kings game.
0: Yeah, and I actually, after this game, and I I wanted a little bit more data, and so I waited until after the Utah game because I knew we would be recording today after that, but I wanted to chart out uh, rookie minutes because to me, I mean, Jake Laravia had the uh, the post-game interview. He had kind of... his own mini breakout. He shot really well. And then Roddy, uh, we'll get to it in the Utah game, but Roddy actually looks like there's signs of life there. But as far as the rookie minutes, it it mirrored. So I looked up the total minutes played uh, by rookies across the league. What are the top five teams in total minutes played for the rookies? If you remember in the preseason, there was this really interesting stat that went up. I believe it was during the Orlando game for the five teams that were the youngest had the most players under 25 yeah. it was uh i believe it was orlando indiana houston and detroit and memphis were the yes. five yeah these are also the top five teams with the most rookie minutes and yeah. yet you look at the differences in record <laughs> yes. across these five teams yes. and uh memphis i i think there's uh one or two well indiana right now is the surprise in terms yeah. of win win loss but other teams struggling. Memphis had uh, the fifth most rookie minutes uh, between their top two rookies right. at 202.8. The rookies have already played over 200 minutes. I know. So that was my note. And I was, um, you know, I feel like there's going to be, we, we got a question mm-hmm. in our live podcast, the LaRavia versus Roddy mm-hmm. Um my official stance, and I answered quick because we were at the end of the podcast. I had Roddy there just by a nose, but I think to me it's more of a long-term play. I can see Laravia having a really solid floor, which you are already seeing. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna fit in perfectly. He's gonna hit open shots. Roddy's a little bit more work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to learn the NBA game, but to right. me he has a little bit more athleticism, potential to backfill if we end up losing Dylan down the line. But at the same time, can we just agree to have have nice things? Yes. We don't have to choose one. No, let's just. Both- enjoy- they're both. B-
1: they're both. They um, they both have had their moments, and and hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get some health soon. That we don't, we're not relying on them to like have these consistently good games. We just need a good game from them every now and then, or some good moments. And and obviously, this was the Larevia game. Um, came out and uh, played really well. Nine rebounds, which is really great to see. And uh, just looked like he belonged out there. Um, it was a really it was a really good game, by Laravia. Fun walk-off interview too.
0: Anything else from Sacramento? Or do you want to move no, on to Utah? Yeah, let's move on to let's move on to Utah. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any five dollar NBA moneyline bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN.
1: Utah, the Utah game. Um, so last night, uh, so we're fresh off this, and we fall uh, to the Jazz um, in Utah, one twenty four, one twenty three. Interestingly enough, we're going to play them again here going for uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, but it was a one point loss. Uh, very sad. It's one of those, you know. It's it was definitely um, the. Very much the definition of a coin flip game, a clutch game. You know, it was close back and forth. Um, We both kind of went on runs uh, throughout the whole game. It felt like, to me, a game uh, I would have loved to have had. Um, because I think we're definitely better than the Jazz, and especially if we have you know a full team, you know. So really the you know the biggest story going in was no jaw, uh, no uh, going along with no Zaire, no Jaron, and then we've also found out that no Laravia, so we don't even get him coming off of his best game as a Grizzly. And so we knew already we're going to be you know up against it. This is probably going to be a lot of Kennedy Chandler minutes. What is that going to be like? And and so it was definitely one of those games where I felt like. Uh, Honestly, some rookie moments in the first half, especially, and then a little bit in the second half probably cost us the game. Um, I would also say that, like I said, uh, Bain definitely had three or four turnovers that led to points on the other side being more of a primary ball handler. And this is one of those losses where I'm sad to lose it. It would have been great. It was a night when a lot of other of kind of our peers lost also to bad teams. And so it would have been a great win to get. But I think for the long term, this was it was a good to see us perform without some of our stars, ask a little bit more of some people. And and I thought for the most part they did well and and the mistakes that happened, like I don't see them as being uh, defining the player more just this is what you have to go through to improve
0: yeah i had a few notes from the game uh notably utah had a shot variance uh, positive shot variance game they took 43 uh threes and shot 42 percent i don't think that's going to happen often with those that were uh, playing uh on their side laurie markinen and uh, kelly Olynyk were just otherworldly for what you would expect from them I thought, notably from our end, uh, two things. Number one, I felt like this was actually an important game for Tyus Jones. He's been in a little bit of a slump Mm -hmm. to start, and I felt like this was a get-right game. He had plenty of minutes He started and he shot 10 for 15. So I thought Tyus was big offensively. I Mm -hmm. felt like he needed to get in a rhythm in the season. The other thing is I have officially created our Dylan Brooks plus minus tracker. And so (laughs) three games into the season, uh, Dylan Brooks was plus seven in the Brooklyn, Brooklyn game, despite shooting pretty poorly. Um, I think that was a product of playing with, alongside uh, John and Bain a little bit. Uh, in Sacramento, he was minus seven, so he he was sitting right at even, um, going into the Utah game, plus nine. Plus and Utah nine. scored yeah. 30, he hit a big shot down the stretch, Of course, when Dylan hits a big shot at the very end, my first thought is, okay, uh, the basketball gods now are going to just cause something bad to happen. Uh, Dylan tried. He had a turnover there at the very end of the game. It wasn't his fault, though. It was such a weird ending to such a weird game. Um, Go back and watch that sequence. The refs could have called like three different things that they didn't call, and somehow we ended up with the ball. Unfortunate timeout called in transition. It looked like we could have had an opportunity there to score. Jenkins, of course, it's... It's one of those things where you just kind of uh, yeah. the game situation tells you to call a timeout, but at the same time you wish like well, one and more. Part segment. of it is,
1: I mean, and I think that's like one of those things where one, yeah, it's like we have people who aren't used to having the ball, and so they didn't call timeout but tried to advance it, and then we have you know again, as great as Jenkins is, he's still kind of a I think a younger coach with these kind of game situations, and yeah, I mean because even then the the worst part is we were advancing it, and even if we got across half court. And, it, and then called a timeout, we would have had like two seconds left and then been at half court. But instead, we have the awkward 3.4, you know, three-quarter court away. Thing. I
0: also so. want to start, I don't know if any listeners have, have the time, but I want to go back and see in these like really late game situations, how many times if Bain's the one who's, who has the play drawn up for him, how many times he's slipped? I feel like Bain actually slips a whole bunch yeah. when it it's it's time to try to get up a, a look. And honestly, in a situation like this, for all um, you know, the hate that Dylan Brooks gets offensively, mm-hmm. which much of it is warranted, in a situation like that, you want a guy who's six seven and can kind of create right. what would be normally in the course of a game considered a bad shot, but in that scenario it's a shot you have to take because you don't have time uh, anywhere else. So I was actually, you know, had high hopes, and Dylan did hit a three to keep us in it. Um, I do hope that we can pull out a win here against Utah because I don't like playing them twice in a row at the very beginning of the season when they still have all their players. Right. Because this is going to be an entirely different-looking team as we move forward to the back half of the season. Well, yeah,
1: I feel like we're... We've kind of been disadvantaged with that. Um, one one other note on Dylan, you know, which is again it's a small thing, but I did I did like the fact that he took less shots than Bain because that is, you know, a lot of people think that Jaw keeps him disciplined with that, but but I like that that Dylan, I'm always taking less shots than Jaw and Bane. Don't mind him taking more with Jaw out. Um, and so I like seeing that, that even though he was on and he was shooting well, jo- Bain still had more shots than him. So I really liked that. Uh, the other thing that was just a weird part of the game, which I, I guess we can watch going forward, was the large amount of offensive call, offensive foul calls on screens that we got, especially in the first half, which I think is another thing. One, it, it had you know, on an already depleted bench, we had to play even more rookies, more minutes, and bring Tillman in, who's been out of the rotation. He and I thought he played fine, but uh, but just the fact that uh, Brandon Clark was called for two offensive fouls on screens, Stephen Adams three. Uh, that like as, Adam as, said a lot, at, yeah, and that and it's a little concerning because that is one of the things that makes Stephen Adams so great is how good of screens he sets and the amount of screen assists he gets. And I I was a little, I'm hoping that's kind of a weird one off with those refs. And because of the little bit of um, a little bit of kind of a kerfuffle fight that happens early on that, that refs were watching that and trying to tone things down because Steve Adams threw one really hard screen at Vanderbilt, uh, knocked him down. And so I wonder if that's what it was, but it's, it's not good for the way we run our offense. If offensive fouls, start getting called a lot more on screens because we like to set high screen, high ball screens a lot. So that was the other thing. But besides that, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, it'll be interesting. I think honestly, I mean, it's sad to say, I think the sort of looking forward, the hope is just, I don't know is when, when jaw feels better and when we get him back. So
0: exactly. No jaw. It's a completely different,
1: team and um, yeah and I feel like Conchar also while he was questionable and he was active tonight I I kind of wonder if we'd had more of our players if he would have played because he only put up two shots in like 28 minutes I think um, and just did not look to shoot at all
0: yeah that doesn't track with what we've seen so far this season at all all right, so we have a very special segment that we're gonna that we're gonna zoom through here. It's called Trick or Treat. Um, we are recording here the night before Halloween, and so we thought that we'd take uh, the uh, that the themed approach to a segment and basically give you uh, one thing or two things Grizzlies related, two things NBA related. One of them being a treat, one of them being a trick. Meaning, uh, what have we seen that we think is going to continue positive trends? Mm-hmm. Things we like. Trick meaning, yeah, uh, maybe don't believe your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll start real quick with the Grizzlies related. Um, to me, the trick, and I'll start with the trick, is that the Grizzlies are still at the very bottom in defense for rating. We have been missing our anchor in Jaron Jackson. We have only had Dylan Brooks for half the season so far through six games. And Zyra Williams, who was coming on defensively uh, at the end of last season specifically, and also is just a, a big body, large wing spin mm-hmm. out there. Um, three of your... Best defenders you've missed yeah. for the entire season, um, and I just think that's to me a trick. I, I don't believe your
1: eyes. Uh, yeah. This can only go up, uh, but I think it will go up. Yes, I think I think we I think a, a couple things to note also. I mean, I, I mean I do worry because I I don't um, you know I mean. I, Jaren's awesome and I, hopefully this is the kind of stuff that's showing people just how amazing Jaren is even when you're looking at his three-point percentage and people watch just the offensive side of the floor how great he is defensively but I'm hoping that I would like to see us start to even if before Jaren gets back us improve defensively I will also say that we've played a surprising amount of kind of the lower turnover teams like a Dallas uh you know like like actually a Jazz team last night teams that that tend to take care of the ball well um, and, and then a Knicks team who'd likes to kind of be a little more half court as well and take care of the ball. So I'm hoping that as the turnover percentage gets a little better also that, that our defense will improve, but, um, but yeah, definitely. And, and actually that gets to a couple of mine, if you, if you want to segue, uh, but, uh, so one of my, um, one of, one of my going along with that, one of my tricks also, since we'll start negative, um, is, is I am selling our defensive rebounding rate, which is mm. one of the reasons why I think that our defense is so bad. Uh, if you, um, and defensive rebounding rate is basically just a way of, of measuring uh, your defensive rebounding with take into effect the shots missed. And so, and so that's really, I think, the best way to look at if you're a good rebounding team or not. And uh, we are presently 27th in defensive re- uh, rebounding rate out of 30 teams, which is really bad. Um, and looking back, the last couple years, we have been 13, 12 in that range. And I think, uh, and I think that is a major reason, one of the major reasons why uh, we do have such a low defensive uh, rating, like you talked about. And I do think that one of them is the people we're missing. Uh, I also think, and one of them, and we've missed Dylan's size too, the first half of our schedule so far, but I also think one, one issue, and we saw this last year because we also struggled with defensive rebounding at the beginning of the year last year, is for whatever reason, our system, it's like it takes us a while to get used to the amount of threes that we give up because of how well we protect the rim. And, and because of that, we give, up a, we give up more threes than normal, but because of that, there's a lot of long rebounds. And so uh, so, not only do we not have a huge player like Jaron and a huge player like Zaire coming in there to try to get rebounds. I know that Jaron isn't known as a great rebounder, but I've always thought one of those reasons is because people try to like focus on him uh, and trying to keep him off the boards. But for me, uh, I think, especially in playing a lot of younger players, I think we need to get better, especially at long rebounds. It seems like that's uh, when we get hurt. I mean, it hurt us in the Jazz game. Um, it hurt us in the Mavs game, was long threes and then us not getting the rebound. And then you know when teams get an offensive rebound, it's usually very easy to find a wide-open three or an easy bucket. So
0: Yeah, and in the first half of Houston as well, notably as well. I just remember them having a lot of long rebounds that we missed. Um, okay, as far as Grizzlies go, treat. Um, above average three-point percentage. I think that I alluded to this in our live podcast uh, a few days ago, but I, I do think that being in the top 10 of the league in terms of three-point percentage is realistic uh, Mm -hmm. right now. We're actually in the top three uh, right now, and I think that is something that has to do with our changing personnel, Mm -hmm. um, specifically at the four. I think Aldama being there rather than, let's say, a Kyle... Um, or a BC is huge right. because we have somebody in the corner that John Morant, when he has so much attention when he drives the paint, can kick out to and reasonably right. hit a three. I think also seeing more efficient players like Desmond Bain and John Conchar up their usage in terms of three-point oh. attempts. I think you're going to see a team that finally is what Taylor Jenkins wants, right? In that they take a lot of threes and they hit a reasonable amount.
1: Yeah, and I and I think uh, your kind of case for I'm I'm going to back your your treat as far as because I think like both Roddy and Laravia sh- can. Sh- Better than they've shown so far. And I really do think while well, Ja's not going to shoot 60% from three, I do think that it's very obvious that he is going to shoot, I think definitely above 35% from three. It looks good. And so I just see that definitely being the case. I agree. And then that goes right along with my my treat for the Grizzlies, which is that the Grizzlies are number one in offense right now. So according to Cleaning the Glass, they are number one in offense. And, uh, and I want to buy the fact that I think, uh, that we, I think we will be an elite offense, a top five. And I actually think we could be, which is a crazy thing to say. If you've been a Grizzlies fan for a long time in our core four years, I actually think we have a legitimate possibility of being the number one offense, um, in the NBA this year.
0: Yeah. And I also to, to back that up, it has not only come from transition. I mean, because a lot of transition opportunities come from your defensive rebounding, rate, Things like that we are playing a better half-court offense, which I think is key. Yes. Because we also know we can play transition if we get the steals, if we get the turnovers. Um, Yeah, I
1: mean, the the fact of the matter is, we're the number one offense now playing bad defense. And in theory, when we get our team back and as we get just – Teams tend to get better defensively as the season prolongs. That means that we are playing more and more against either teams running back or teams not set up in the half court. And so, if in theory, our offense should get even better than it is right now, and we're already number one, which is pretty crazy to think about.
0: All right, let's go quickly through our NBA trick-or-treats. I'll start the trick. The Atlanta Hawks right now are third in the Eastern Conference in terms of record. Um, They have the 30th-ranked strength of schedule thus far their wins have come against houston orlando and two against detroit and they have two losses one against milwaukee and one against a charlotte team which we're going to talk about here in a second which is just a really weird team hard to figure out um do not buy the hawks being third place in the eastern conference let them play out a little bit more of their schedule and see what happens they have some tough matchups coming up uh so that's my Mm -hmm. trick
1: okay and i and i and i I'm also uh, wary of the Hawks. I did pick them preseason to be not a playing team, but actual legitimate playoff team. So I do think in some ways they're doing what I thought, which would be that they – because if they didn't have the injuries they had last year, they would beat up on all the bad teams. So I still feel that way, but I would like to see them uh, watching a little bit of the Bucks game. I'd like to see them start beating some good, uh, contending type teams before I really buy into them. Yeah, as
0: well. and I still think they could. They have the ceiling mm-hmm. to be a top six. I just think they're going to be yeah. closer to six than than three, than three. two, one. Yeah. yeah,
1: no, I see that. Um, and then along with that, uh, we'll stay in the East. Um, I am uh, my treat. Is that uh, is the Bucks as the favorites? Uh, I still feel great about that. They're undefeated, only undefeated team left the NBA. They look awesome. They still don't even have Middleton back. They're you know the, Drew's actually missed a couple games. They have not had their full team at all. But like they look like they're great. Brooke Lopez looks kind of back, uh, fully back now from his injury that he had last year, um, and so I am fully just that that is. That, to me, is the treat. The Bucks look to be the class of the East. I think they
0: have like 105 defensive rating right now, which is after giving up you know, over 110 points to the Hawks last night. Yeah. They do look really good. They look really, really good. Um, all right. My treat is, uh, this, is my, this might not be – well, this, this is in line. The treat is that the Nets and Lakers are 1 and 10 combined, <laughs> uh, and it goes along with our unders. These were my two highest variance unders that I just wanted to tell the people to hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were both six and a half games below what the uh, Vegas line was, is what I had them as my prediction. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is just beautiful to watch. I will say the Nets have had a very tough schedule early on, but you are already seeing the, um, the seeds being planted for another year from hell for the Nets and the Lakers. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time because it would take up the whole podcast about yep. the joy in watching the wizards are the other one here that are, uh, it's interesting because they were my other highest variants under. Um, and right now they have a winning record at the same time. The schedule has been a little light. I'm interested. To, it's another watch on the wizards. Yeah. All
1: right. So I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. So this is, yeah, it's funny cause it's a little bit, so it's a trick for these teams, but it's a treat for me. Um, And that is that uh, the two contenders uh, that everybody hyped and that people continue to hype uh, as being two people, two teams that are above the Grizzlies in the pecking order, which would be the Warriors and the Clippers. Um, You know, I am uh, I'm totally selling their depth. Uh, it's It was something that I said that I thought it was overrated, but you hear that kind of just – that's sort of the normal kind of NBA uh, narrative is that like, man, but the Warriors' depth – and the Clippers' depth. And first of all, for the Clippers, once again, you know, Kawhi already has knee issues, already resting, already taking some, you know, basically he's played like 20 minutes all season. Paul George already resting. Um, And guess what happens when those two guys aren't on the court? The Clippers lose. Guess what happens when Kawhi's not on the court and George is on the court? They lose. Uh, That Despite having a lot of good quality players, um, they have, so they have, you know, basically – average NBA players up and down their roster, which is, you know, good for them. But, but when you don't have uh, Paul George playing regularly and you don't have Kawhi, they are a very average team. They've lost twice to the thunder one without Kawhi and Paul George, but one with Paul George. And so I am, you know, I'm, I'm gleeful In how I predicted this and it's playing out. And then the Warriors, which again are totally overhyped, I said coming into the season uh, and now I wish, honestly, I'm starting to regret not picking the under with them. Uh, I I totally said that them losing Otto Porter and Gary Payton Jr. were going to be big hits to them and that their young guys are not ready to play. Uh, You know several minutes And I've totally been shown that One of my favorite things to do right Totally nerdy things to do Is watch a Warriors game And then get on Warriors Twitter All the Warriors fans uh, The the big Warriors media and podcast people Starting to complain as soon as the bench comes in And how they give up whatever lead they had How if you look at their box scores All their bench players are minuses And it happens again and again and again That basically it's their starting five uh, With Looney and then Pool, And everybody else besides that uh, has played terribly so far. Moody has kind of been just a kind of meh, normal, um, but, but Wiseman, Kaminga, I mean, they've been at times unplayable, and last night it was so bad in Charlotte that they basically just benched Kaminga, barely played Wiseman at all, played their core guys, and still lost at the Charlotte Hornets. So anyway, I'm going on because I really enjoy this, but all that said is Clippers, Warriors, depth, uh, treat for me, trick for them. Two timelines, right? Two timelines, yes. No, that was one of my favorite tweets from uh, Warriors Twitter, one of the hosts of the Light Years Pod. He said, The Grizzly, I mean, the the Warriors have two timelines the, uh, you know, the Draymond Steph Clay timeline and the Looney timeline. That's all they have. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yes. So, this is one of
0: my favorite tweets. Well, there so. was a trick or treat for you, a one time a year segment for sure. Um, all right, let's get into the preview for the next three games. But before that, we have our weekly segment. Yes. Guess who? Guess
1: who. Okay, so this is a guess who. And of course, um, you know, the, the hint is that it's one of the three teams we're playing. Uh, so, what uh, former elite bench player has lowered his usage while also doubling his assists and assist percentage for his career? The, the, for the first six, seven games of the season. Wow. What Man. player has lowered his usage? Um, you know, the hint is this would be somebody who you would never think of as a passer. Um, and he's now doubled his assists, um, his average assist per game and his assist percentage for his career through, through seven games. All right. Um, let me think here. I'm thinking out loud. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm keying in on Portland and Charlotte cause they have two guys that I'm thinking about. Um, one of them. I'm trying to think of the, the the high usage guys. I mean, you have Dame in Portland. You have uh, right now Charlotte. It's weird because Lamelo's out right. uh, for them, and so I know Hayward's up there. Um, I'm I'm just gonna
1: take the cop out answer. I'm gonna go with Damian Lillard. It's not Damian Lillard. It's not it's not Damian Lillard. Although he has been passing the ball better um, this year so far. I'll I'll go ahead and give you the hint that it was actually the team we played last night. No way. Monday. Yes. Is it Colin Sexton? No. Sixth man of the year. No way. Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. So, this is one of the things that interested me after watching the game last night. So, Jordan Clarkson has actually lowered his usage percentage um, while playing more minutes, way more minutes. But what's crazy is he has doubled his assists. He's averaging six, like almost six assists a game, and his assist percentage has doubled as well. Wow. Which is very interesting. Uh, and and I even saw kind of um, David Thorpe, who's on, uh, who is one of the Twitter kind of guys out there, NBA Twitter guys that I like. I mean, other people commenting on uh, how shocked they are to see Jordan Clarkson passing the ball like this, which is also interesting because as we talk about you know potential trade candidates and things like that, and and seeing somebody who was kind of considered more of a black hole, it's very interesting to me. Uh, that he's a player that has been a willing passer this year. Um, and they play and you know, and this, and I think this segues well to our preview because, you know, one of the interesting things that I saw in watching the Jazz is this kind of five man out, sort of like the, you know, what everybody talks about the small wall Clippers, but this five man out lineup they played, except they have two, two basically big guys playing out and they just kind of drive the ball. And that's been what's been interesting is Jordan Clarkson's been driving and then passing it out. Um, to those guys, man, uh, and have been hitting. so interesting. Yeah. So that's why it's, it's, it's a little more boring. Cause it's, we already no. played them once, oh, but, no. it was, but it's very interesting. Uh, you know, fact that Clarkson's doubled his assists.
0: No, I definitely took the wrong approach there. Um, yes, I, but at the same time, you know, this is real life guys. This, we're, we're throwing it out at each other. This is how, you know, it's <laughs> blind. We don't have any spoilers beforehand. That is so interesting. And I did think that the jazz, um, the Jazz are, are, are such an intriguing team, and I think I did see also a tweet or a report come out that if the Jazz are going to trade, the order that they would have the um, the veterans on their team that they would want to trade, Jordan Clarkson is actually at the bottom, as yeah. in they would want to have him as the guy that yeah. they do retain, and it's really interesting that um, we see him with those numbers. Just to tee up the Utah preview for tomorrow night, they're 18th in offensive rating, 10th in defensive ratings, uh, with a 10th overall net rating. And so these Utah Jazz... All three of these teams are uh, three that I believe most of the consensus around them was that we would see them have very rough years. And we could still very well see that. But Utah, Portland, and Charlotte have been three teams that have found success early on. Yes. It It could bode poorly for the Grizzlies without John Moranth. Yes. This week, I am actually worried. I yeah. never thought I would be worried. No, I mean,
1: it's so weird because we liked the early schedule um, knowing that we were going to be missing Jaron. But it's also... But the sad part is, you know, while we... Um, you know, while if we would, could have started poorly, if we played harder teams early, but the sad part is then we'd be catching some of these teams later um, when they were in kind of full tank mode. So it is, it is sad. We are getting a break with Portland and Dame Lillard being injured. Uh, but but as far as the Jazz game, yeah, I'm 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 nervous about it in the sense that they didn't play Conley. They're going to bring Conley back, and if we don't get Jaw back, um, then you know the hope is that we just commit less turnovers, that we kind of play a uh, a better game that our rookies kind of play a little better. you know, maybe, I don't know if we're going to get Ravia back or not either, but, uh, but definitely, I mean, I think, I think the jazz is currently constructed are going to be a tough, a tough team to beat, especially at home.
0: Agreed. I don't think you're going to see, um, I don't think you're going to see Colin Sexton shoot 50% from three. I don't think you're going to see Jared Vanderbilt shoot 50% from three. Granted, it's on one of right. two. I definitely don't think you're going to see Kelly Olynyk hit four of six right. from three. That's the hope. Yeah. Um, and at the same time... This team has weapons. I thought yep. Alexander Walker played Bane really yep. well. Uh, I thought Malik Beasley was the Grizz killer that he's always been. He yes. hit four of six from three I as know. well. They just have guys that can come in and play. And in a shocking turn of events, they're actually playing well together. Turns out Danny Ainge, even when he's tanking, knows how to construct a roster, yep. which is the scary part. So And um, Hardy might be a coach, so... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we have our work cut out for us. That's yeah. that's what I'm taking away. I do think you're right about Portland. Um, just quickly moving on to them. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting them without Dame. Simons has started to to play really well. I'm interested in who Dylan's going to guard between Jeremy Grant and Anthony mm-hmm. Simons because Simons is a little bit more undersized. So I think Bain could could take over right. in that scenario as well. Um, and Portland is. Um, you know, they're they're one of these teams that are uh, not expected to be good defensively, and yet at the same time, let me pull up their numbers here, uh, they've been 11th in defensive yeah. rating so far, and that's kind of in the story, and 6th in net rating. Uh, yeah. We'll see that probably dip with Dame out, but right. that's the shocking part No, to me. well,
1: and you know, one thing that was very interesting looking at them, um, they are number one... And free throw rate. So they're number one at getting the free throw line. They're number two at not at, – in free throw right, uh, rate on defense. And so what that means is uh, they are the best team at getting the free throw line and scoring. And they are basically the best team keeping you off the free throw line yeah. um, from scoring. And and that's an interesting because I think it's one of those, uh, like you said, one of their – they don't play very physical defense at all, and so you have to score. Like they're not going to bail you out with fouls and things like that. That's kind of I think their strategy is draw fouls um, from the other team, and then we won't foul you, knowing that like we're going to have trouble staying in front of you and all the all the problems that they've had since names been there, um, and that they don't really have great rim protection but uh, but that is something to look for. It'll be interesting to see, especially, I mean, the hope is that Ja will be back by then, um, just seeing where the free throws um, go, because I think that'll be a good indicator on whether the, the it's a close game or a close loss or whether we kind of go in, and I, what we should, I think, do is, it, you know, we should beat this team, but especially Correct. without Dame. Correct.
0: Um, let's talk about Charlotte for just a few minutes. Let me yep. go run through their schedule so far because it is so weird. Yeah. They beat the Spurs uh by over twenty in their opener. They lost to the Pelicans, they beat the Hawks, they lost to the Knicks, they lost to the Magic and they beat the Warriors. What mm-hmm. is this team yeah. without Lamelo Ball? I mean, you're seeing a guy like P.J. Washington uh, actually play well mm-hmm. for them. You're seeing uh, Gordon Hayward play okay. Terry Rozier nope. went off in a few of those games. He is he can always score. But you're seeing this team run up and down and score. Right. And right now, let me pull up where they are. 14th in offensive rating, 14th in defensive rating, so,
1: 11th in net rating. Yeah, Pretty so, average team. Yeah, very average team. It's the kind of team if you come in, you don't play well, you're going to lose. Um, But again, another team, like all three of the teams were playing at, you know, uh, and especially that one being at home, you first first game coming back to home, you would expect uh, to win that one. But all three of these are teams where. Uh, that they have shown uh, that they beat, they've beaten good teams. And so you have to go in and take care of business. Um, yeah, the Hornets are interesting. I actually watched most of that Hornets Warriors game uh, last night, and it was very interesting. I mean, one big interesting thing has been sort of the revelation of Dennis Smith Jr. kind of coming in. Um and playing really well for them, playing good point guard minutes. Uh, you know, kind of uh, not doing a lot of hero ball and the stuff that that plagued him in his other places when he was a high draft picked. Um, but actually being just like a very calming presence point guard and and yeah and they just you know they hit timely shots they play pretty good defense like you said average it you know right in the middle on everything um but they've been a very surprising team so far
0: i would be very surprised if we don't see Ja and jake back by friday um because you know they said it was a non-covid illness i heard it was maybe the flu um so you would hope that we would see them especially first game uh back from uh the long road trip but uh, yeah, this is going to be a very very telling week, um, especially in terms of our ten game record prediction. Yes. Because uh, all things considered, I don't know about you, but I had three wins penciled in for these three teams. Yes. So, um, yeah, it'll certainly no, be interesting. No, definitely.
1: I mean, that's definitely. I mean, I, I figured you know the hope was to go three and one on this road trip, and so and so part of me thought the Kings might be the the loss of those four. But we've obviously the loss was the first one to the Jazz. So I'd hope that we wouldn't lose like a, you know. Uh, I think tomorrow night will be will be a tough game again but I would hope that a team like the jazz we're not going to lose twice to um, in a row that would that would be rough a little bit but but at the same time for missing like four rotation guys it's hard to to be upset with any loss.
0: Well, this has been another edition of the Weekden Update. If you want to email the show, uh, which we will, you know, potentially uh, read your questions, read your comments, grizdenpod at gmail.com. You can find both of us on Twitter. Uh, You can search the pod on Twitter at grizden and search on Instagram at griz underscore den to keep up with the latest content coming out of Grizzden. This is going to be an interesting week for the Grizzlies, so we're going to be watching closely, and we'll be back with you um after the hornets game most likely on on saturday but we'll let you know if that date will change for craft i'm will thanks for joining us